Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your Bermuda Championship recap episode. And joining me to break it all down, it's Greg Ducharme. What up, Greg? Rick, uh, thanks for joining me today. I can see you're playing your best uh, Kyle Porter act. Where, where's, where are you today? That's right. Channeling my inner KP, trying to show up in a different backdrop every single time. I've been in hotels a lot recently. I am at my parents' house, which is always a great time. Uh, we are, we're showing our home today, so had to get out for a couple hours. Luckily, my parents don't live too far. I was able to shoot over here and uh, get an opportunity to chat with you because I wouldn't miss this for the world, Greg. Right. Of course not. It's the Bermuda championship. But Rick, I'm thinking every single time that you're somewhere else, I know you're how you're home shopping. I'm thinking, man, Rick is really moving up in the world. And here we are at your parents' house. At you're least right, I'm out of the basement. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Just a spare bedroom. So I'm doing okay. Uh, you know who else is doing okay? Brian Gay. Because he is your champion of yeah. the Bermuda Championship. We're going to talk all about the implications of him being 48 years old. His, now his fifth PGA Tour victory, which ties him with Ricky Fowler. But Greg, your initial reactions to Brian Gay winning a golf tournament on the PGA Tour. Um, man, there's so many things to get into here. But I look at that round, 64 on Sunday, um, specifically 31 on the second nine with a with a bogey at 17, which was a three putt. The guy just putts so well. And, and so I look at it this way. You're talking about a golf course that suits him well. Uh, tied third last year. It is not the longest golf course on tour. We saw last year, a lot of players who were not necessarily the longest players on tour do really well. Some great putters do well, which is what we talked about heading into the week. And here's Brian Gay, who's um, a notably a great putter and has been for years. And all of a sudden he gets the job done. So I feel like in, in some regards, we were on the point there where, Hey, this is where you don't need great distance you need great uh you, you need you're going to need to putt really well in order to win here and that's exactly what brian gay did so really impressive and i'm happy for him because you mentioned he's 48 years old now you get that two-year exemption on the pga tour and it takes you right straight into the pga tour mm-hmm. champions so you can set your own schedule you can play courses you like you can play um, places you think you'll have success give yourself a chance to win or you can play the big purse events he's going to have his um He's going to have his choice in many of those areas and he's set for a, a long time now. So when you're at this age, this tweener age, right? 45 to 50, where you're in between PGA tour and PGA tour champions. I call it the, mm-hmm. I call it no man's land. You're usually losing a little bit of distance, hard to compete with these young guys coming out, um, raring and ready to go. And if you're Brian, get you've just you've taken care of that um, that difficult time period in a professional golfer's career. So great to see. 
I, I do want to talk about Brian Gay's career in just a second because it's pretty it's pretty remarkable what he's been able to do. But I want to talk a little bit about this Sunday round that he had because this was the Wyndham Clark show for the vast majority of the day, and especially for the back nine. I think he got out to a three or four shot lead at one point. He ha- he ran into a little bit of trouble, but Brian Gay comes in in thirty one, which is four under, and when he made bogey on seventeen, it's a par five. I'm thinking, ah oh, man, this this might be over. It might be it might be uh, all she wrote for Brian Gay. He gets a little awkward lie in the rough on 18 and he just hits a beauty to this is where I would insert shot link number here, but we don't have shot link. So like, I don't know, three feet, two and a half feet. He's able to tap that in. And then Wyndham Clark, unable to make his own birdie on 18, goes to a playoff. Brian Gay with that magic putter, that really, that the weapon that he has, Greg, is able to seal it on the first playoff hole by making birdie. I mean, it was, it was a bit out of nowhere after what I saw him do on 17. And the, the putt on 18 in the playoff yeah. was just perfect. I mean, it was perfect pace, which you've been putting with all day. Uh, it was the perfect line, and it went right in the middle. It, you couldn't have drawn it up any better. So I, I think when, you're, when you get under pressure, you see your strengths shine. Also, your weaknesses can shine through as well. Um, so it, it was it was really great to see the the putting. I was a little surprised about the three putt on seventeen, to be honest. But it just had me thinking at that point. Well, this is where distance really is an advantage. If you're able to go for that green and two, get it up around the green. And I know there's risk. I know there's water left cuts in a little bit short. I know that throat is really narrow, but if you're able to get it up around that green, hole high into the right green side bunkers, you're, you're even though it's not a great angle, you're not going to leave yourself 50 feet. You're probably not going to three putt. You're looking at making birdie or par. And that's where he was maybe you could say deficient. Maybe it was a strategy thing. Maybe it was a distance thing, whatever it is. That was a, um, an error because you're adding that extra shot, that wedge shot. Now it's another opportunity to make a mistake. And that's exactly what happened. But then he comes through and it was just, it, it was just his week. Cause the, the, both the shots into 18, and particularly the putt on the 18th green in the playoff was what impressed me the most. The 2020 calendar year for Brian Gay hasn't been good. Uh, entering the Bermuda Championship, he missed 14 out of 18 cuts. His world golf ranking was dropping pretty significantly. But in, in terms of his career as a whole, it's been really impressive. I mean, he turned pro in 1994. I believe he's had his tour card every single year since 1999. You're talking about a guy who has kept his uh, status for basically 20 consecutive years. He's making about a million dollars a year. I mean, this is hard to do. What we're going to get into um, a little bit of the more details uh, in a bit about how you can lose your card, how you can obtain your card, how you can keep it year over year. But this is impressive when you see a guy who has played basically 25 or 30 PGA Tour events every single year for 20 years and now he has what you call greg i mean and i completely agree with that ticket to the champion store right um so it's a it's a model for consistency in many ways and this is different than the consistency we've seen out of like a matt kuchar or a jim furick or a tiger woods of course it's it's far different than that because he does have some missed cuts. He will have these years where he misses eight, nine, 10, even 10 cuts in a year. That's probably average. He probably averages around um, nine missed cuts in a year uh, and makes more, you know, makes 15 or more, I would say. So how do you get, how do you get to the place where you're keeping your card year after year? 
when you're missing that many cuts. And the way you do it is you take advantage of the courses that fit your game. And I look at the wins that he has. Brian Gay has five wins on the PGA Tour. And look at the courses there, Mayakoba. Okay, well, just thinking off the top of your head, that's not an overly long golf course. We've had Matt Kuchar win there. Um, We've had Brendan Todd win there last year, who also won here in Bermuda. So you have that kind of parallel where, okay, Mayakoba, not an overly long golf course. Brian Gay gets it done there. The one in Memphis, uh, the Verizon Heritage St. Jude Classic presented by FedEx, not an extremely long course, but that's the one that kind of sticks out to me. That's the more difficult of all of these courses. And then he won the Humana, uh, the Humana Challenge, as it was called in 2013. Uh, and that's another one where it's not an overly long golf course. You have some winners there that don't necessarily hit it extremely far. It's not um, a distance priority. That's the one out there in Palm Springs. And now he wins here at Bermuda. So he takes advantage of the courses of the places that suit him really well. And it's not easy to do that. It's easy to get into an event like this and say, okay, this is my chance. And you put a little too much pressure on yourself to play your way out of it. But every single time he gets into these events where he's got a chance because of the distance, well, he he shows his skill in other ways, which is skill with the putting, skill with the wedges, skills around the greens. Um, and skills of short iron play, which are fantastic. Yeah, he makes his hay. You know, the five or six tournaments a year in which he knows he has a, a much better chance than others, uh, he certainly makes his hay there. Um, I want to transition a bit to Wyndham Clark, who uh, is going to finish second. He loses out to Brian Gay in a playoff. And I got to tell you, Greg, as I'm watching this whole thing, uh, you know, develop and, and unroll throughout the day, he goes out and he's five under through his first seven holes. He's got a, a multiple shot lead. He's seven under through 11. I mean, things are rolling right along for Wyndham Clark and then he got kind of stuck in neutral and he plays less six holes at one over uh, just to you know get into that playoff and then he's not able to close it out um, you know what I thought was interesting is uh, Wyndham Clark's a very committed player he, he acts very quickly which I think helps him a lot in situations like this right he gets his number he jumps up there and he uh, you know he, he takes his shot with without thinking about it too much I wonder if he got out of his routine a little bit I I didn't have to stopwatch out by all means, but I just felt like early in the day on Sunday, he was playing fast. He was committed. I thought he slowed down just a hair on his back nine. And that's where we saw the worst of his scores roll in. Yeah, um, it it can happen, right? You There's a moment in every event and it doesn't have to be on the 18th hole. We think of pressure as something that happens on 18 and it doesn't. It happens at various times for various players throughout a round and just watch, watch Jordan speed. Cause sometimes for him, there are moments in tournaments where it happens in the first couple of holes, the first three holes. There's that one moment where the whole tournament, the whole scape of the tournament shifts in one way or another. And as you get into the final groups, you've gotten past those moments all the way. And there's a point where, well, you, you continue to do it and you do it for an entire week. And there's also sometimes a point where you, where you unfortunately don't. Now, to me, Wyndham Clark's strategy, I think of him as more of an aggressive player. Mm. And the way that he played 17 is the disappointment to me. Think about him and Brian Gay. I know they're not in the same group, but the advantage Wyndham Clark has is his distance, right? He's got a huge distance advantage over Brian Gay. Um, I mean, this year, so far, he's averaging what, 324 and a half or entering the week, 324 and a half. He's sixth on tour in driving distance, and he's... Uh, he's laying up on the par five seventeenth. I know he, he left himself about 20 feet and I know he hit a great putt that didn't go in, but 
that's where you got to be a little more aggressive. You have to take these tournaments there. Nobody's going to give them to you. And something that Webb Simpson learned in playoffs, Webb had a horrible playoff record. He was like one in six or something. And uh, he lost at the RSM to Tyler Duncan last year. And then he comes back in a playoff against Tony Finau and wins because he, he said in his words, he was more aggressive. He didn't wait for anything to happen. He went and took it. And that's what you have to do. And Webb also did that at the RBC Heritage. You went and took it. And we haven't seen that out of Wyndham Clark yet at this point. He's an immensely talented player. Somebody we mentioned on Monday, Rick, about how, hey, Wyndham Clark's a guy you could take a chance on because he has this kind of firepower. Yeah. He's a guy who is a sleeper, hasn't really been playing well, but he has the talent to uh, to jump up a leaderboard to contend and, and possibly win an event. And he was coming off a T13 at the Shriners as well, which means he was, he's still, I mean, you know, playing great, right? playing great right now. I know it'll be disappointed. It'll sting tomorrow. It'll sting for maybe a couple of weeks, but uh, still in really good form. And with a T16 this week, Greg, we can officially get off Will Zalatoris watch. It's done. It's over. He has now earned enough points to get his PGA Tour special temporary status. He only needed three FedEx Cup points. And essentially, after the cut was made and a couple of guys withdrew, all he had to do was finish the weekend. Just cross the finish line, Will, and you'll get your special temporary status. Um, obviously, we are incredibly high on, on what he has been doing over the course of the last year or so. I've been on record countless times saying when he's eligible to be, be the PGA Tour Rookie of the Year, he'll be the favorite to be the PGA Tour Rookie of the Year. Uh, he, he is the real deal, and now he's going to get unlimited sponsors exemptions for the rest of the season. Yeah, and I, I presume we'll take advantage of that. I mean, yeah. This has been quite a run for an extended period of time on both tours, on the Corn Ferry Tour and on the PGA Tour. Um, and he's just proving to himself week after week that he belongs. He's proving to himself that the performance last year on the Corn Ferry Tour was real. That's who he is. It's what he can do. And he can take that game and it travels. And that's one of the things that I really like about uh, about watching Will Zalatoris so far. It's something, um, it's something to watch for with a PGA Tour player when they are able to succeed at different styles, different locations. You talk about, well, twice kind of in the a tropical sea and not yeah. Island kind of a feel right. Corrales, a T eight. And then this week, what was it? T 16. I think yeah. it ended up, um, but you also have a U.S. open where he comes in tied six. You have a Shriners uh, out in Las Vegas where it's a, a T five. You have some varying difficulties. You have varying styles. You have wind, you have no wind, you have thick rough, you have no rough, you have all these different kinds of styles and he's able to succeed at all these different levels. And that's a sign that he is a, uh, a, a player with a game that really travels. And that's something that's going to bode well for him on the PGA tour. What I think is really interesting is how early in the season he's gotten this done. So if you remember like two years ago when Doc Redman finished like T2 at Rocket Mortgage and he tried that sprint to, to get to the finish line, there was only a handful of events to go. Or Will Gordon at the end of last year when he finishes what, two, T2 or T3 at Travelers and he's only got a handful of events to go. There's like 40 events left this season. He can, he can take all these sponsors exemptions that he wants, play as much as possible and really ensure that he gets enough FedEx Cup points because what he needs to do is he needs to be in the top uh, 125 from last season's list. So he needs 281 FedEx Cup points, which, you know, with how many starts he has left, with how well he's played, 
you got to imagine that's a piece of cake. That's a layup. But I'm, I'm just like so interested that he's got like 40 events left to do it. <laughs> yeah, he's got tons of time. I mean, it, yeah. it's basically he it, it's as if he got his card this year. Right. right. It's like he played the Corn Ferry Tour last year and got his card. It's turned into that. It's not how it actually happened, but it's turned into that. So he's going to be able to play a, a lot more events, as you said, Rick. And um, and if this consistent run continues to happen, he's going to have no problem earning his card for the next year. So which still, regardless of whether he got his card last year or not, he would still have to perform at a certain level it would just have to be top 125 from this year's points to get him in so he's in he's in great shape and even if he's in the 125 to 150 category you're going to have next fall to kind of earn your way back in as Wyndham Clark did last year so he's he's in a really good place now where he can play a full season on the PGA Tour he can get his feet wet very low pressure I think it's very, very likely that he finishes inside at least the top 150. And it's more likely that he finishes inside the top 125 of last year's point. So I think you're going to see this player um, earn that PGA Tour card. And I think he's going to keep it for, for many, many years. I want to transition this conversation into actually a question that we got from Apple Podcasts. So if you leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, you ask a question, you make a comment, you want to set a topic to be brought up, we'll find a way to work it into the show. So this one is from Be Somebody 4. Thank you for the question. And it's, it's, a, it's a pretty good question. How bad does a player need to be to lose their tour card? Uh, you know, Do they get sent to the minors? He's referencing the Corn Ferry Tour. And what does it take for a regular tour player to actually lose it? And then he, he I love this last line, Greg, worried for my guy Max Homa. So we can talk about Max specifically um, because you know Max um, he won what 2019 Wells Fargo. So he would have exemption, I guess, all of this season and next season, right? So you don't have to be too too worried about Max. But in general, I think there's a couple of different types of of guys and, and, and the way they have their tour card, Greg. So you have the guys that are like inside the top what 70 in the world where I think it's pretty hard to lose your card. You know, you're, you're getting, uh, you're playing all the big time events. You're, you're playing well because you're inside the top 70. You're getting the invites to the WGCs and the match play and all that stuff. And you're just getting into a lot and you have a lot of opportunity. It's, it's when you get outside of that, the, the 100 to 150, that turnover there to me is much bigger because you're not getting the free official world golf rankings points. You're not getting the free FedEx cup points. You're not getting all that stuff. You actually have to play well. And if you go on a run, you go on an extended run. Um, you could lose your card pretty easily. You, you can, it, it's not that difficult to lose your card. So just going through how many points do you actually need uh, to, to keep your card? So you go back to 2019 because last year was a shortened year. So points are, are much fewer um, and this year we're, we're not really far enough along yet. So Pat Perez in 2019 was 125 at 376 points. So just to give you an idea, that is basically a second place finish, right? which in a normal event gets you 300 points and 76 other points, which you, the, the scale for points on the, in the FedEx cup, it, it dramatically falls off. Super right. top. You heavy. get down to the 70th place. You're making just making cuts. You're earning three points, five yeah. points, seven points. It, it it doesn't really matter if you're finishing tied 46th or tied 68. It doesn't make that big of a difference when it comes to FedEx Cup points. What you have to be able to do is contend in events. You got to get yourself top tens. That's how you go ahead and keep your card. So 
it, now we talk about this fine line all the time. How what's the line between a corn fairy tour player and a PGA tour player? Well, it's not that great. The the line is at least in say the 100 to 125 on the PGA tour and the guys just outside of that, it's a very, very fine line. So how bad do you have to be? You don't have to be bad at all. You just, you're not finishing in, you're, you're not contending in those handful of events where you're getting that tied third finish. You're getting that T8 because those top 10 finishes give you big jumps. They take out chunks. And when you can do that, when, when you have the ability, the talent level to win and get a chunk of FedEx cup points, that's when it becomes really easy to keep your card because you can keep it in two, three weeks, right? Two, three good weeks in a, in an event where you're playing 25 times uh, for a season, all of a sudden you have your card. So I would say it's not that difficult to lose your card. You don't have to play that badly and look at, Harris English, finally, one last point on this. Harris English was one, he finished outside the top 150, right? He, and then he, he, he doesn't get his card through the Corn Ferry Tour playoffs. And now all of a sudden, he's one of the best players we have on the PGA Tour week in and week out. So that line is, look, you're not playing great. You're not contending, but you don't have to play that bad to lose your card. The, 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 and this is going to sound stupid to say, but like the real caveat to all this is winning. Like, and that there's a huge difference, not in just FedEx cup points, but in finishing first and, and T2 is huge. It's not only the 200, you know, whatever FedEx cup points, but it's the guarantee of two more seasons of, of your status. It's these guys who, you know, who, who haven't won in the last couple of years who can go on a six or eight month downstretch and they can really see themselves fall out of the FedEx cup standings. And that's a, that's an easy way to lose your card, but someone like a Max Homa to bring it back to the original question, because that's, that's, you know, worry for my guy, Max Homa says, be somebody like, you know, the win helps in such a big way. You see it free up guys. You see it guarantee it for a couple of years. So the caveat here is winning and finding one of those it, it is so massive. Obviously it can't be, it can't be overstated. And because it's so difficult, that's why the reward yeah. is so rich, right? It, not just the dollars that you earn, not just the FedEx Cup points. The two-year exemption really is huge. Um, for for a guy like Brian Gay, all of a sudden you're you punched your ticket, great line, right into <laughs> PGA Tour champions. You're going to sail right in there. You're always going to have a place to play. And then for a guy like Max Homa, well, all of a sudden you see a guy in Max Homa who was going back and forth between Corn Ferry Tour and PGA Tour until he wins. And all of a sudden the very next year, which was really, I, I believe Rick, it was the start of last year. The form was great. It was, yes. cons- it, maybe it was 19. It was, but you well, saw, no, you see, he, uh, he, had, that- he, he had that stretch that ended at like Genesis. So that would have been mid February where he had like six top twenties in a row. He had a couple of top tens in there. He was playing awesome. He's, he's been a guy who's not been able to get back into form since the shutdown. Right. That, yeah, you're exactly right. It was in 2020, tied ninth at Farmers, tied sixth at Waste Management, uh, tied 14th at, at Pebble Beach, tied fifth at Genesis, yeah. and then uh, tied 24th at API before the shutdown. It was great. It was great form. So, but what, what happens is all of a sudden this player in Max Holma wins and, and he there's a, a release. And it allows him to gather some consistency, um, to gather some confidence, to play the events you want to play, not the events you have to play. So uh, it really is a big deal. And I think Max will be fine. I I think this um, has been kind of a, a unique year for everybody. 
So yeah. everybody's going to handle it differently. I'm sure he'll get his game back into form. Um, and he's not a guy that I'm really worried about. And he's got like 40 events left to go. Long season, lots of time to get back into form. Um, all right, Greg, here's what we're going to do. A quick preview of the Houston Open. We've got to put a bow on some odds and ends like our matchup challenge and our one and done from the Bermuda Championship. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search the rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets. And we're back. Houston Open, Greg. Not the Shell Houston Open. The Vivint Open. That's a solar company. See that? Houston Open going for renewables. Um, this is interesting. Not only are we going to get fans, 2,000 fans, I believe, in attendance, but you're going to get uh, the return of Dustin Johnson and Adam Scott for the first time since testing positive for COVID-19. Phil Mickelson trying to work his way into form before Augusta National. I mean, this is the, the weeks before majors are always so interesting to me because guys treat them differently. They're kind of creatures of habit. And in a year where routine has been thrown completely out of whack, I was, I was very interested to see who was actually going to show up in Houston this year. Yeah, it's exciting to see Dustin Johnson play. I think it's important for him. Um, I, I do think that it's an opportunity for him to kind of shake some rust off. So for him to contend in the Masters, I, where it, it just demands your game to be at such a high level, and it doesn't take much for DJ to get his game into that form, I think it's really good that he's able to play, and I'm looking forward to that. Adam Scott, too, is a guy I think could really – put on a, a show at Augusta national. He's won before, of course, in 2013. Um, but I think his, his ball striking is still good enough to compete there. And his putting has been outstanding. So for him to get another rep here too, at, at the Vivian Houston open is really important. So I'm looking forward to seeing those two guys and what they do. Um, but you're right, Rick, well, how are you going to handle the week before a major championship? You have spectators being there for most of these players. It'll be their first week experiencing spectators and does that give you any um discomfort when you're out there playing how are you going to handle that aspect of it it didn't seem to be a problem in bermuda at all i imagine it will be the same here in houston so hopefully the players feel like they're at at very little risk but th this is another hard one because you're watching because of the covid tests is somebody going to test positive and miss masters that's the one thing we're all crossing our fingers and hoping that doesn't happen um so Houston's going to be very interesting for a lot of reasons, a lot more reasons than, than it would be in a normal year. 
You and I will dive uh, deep into this on the Monday DFS preview for the Houston Open, but this is a new course this year. It's Memorial Park Golf Course. It's a Muni, which I love. I love getting public courses out there on the PGA Tour. Also, don't quote me on this. Yep. I'm pretty sure it's like downtown or like kind of downtown, right? This is not out in the suburbs. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's cl- very close to the center of Houston. I would have to look into that, but that's my understanding of this. I think you're right. And yeah. it has actually hosted the Houston Open before back in the 60s, I believe. Right. I was reading about it a, a while back. I want to say maybe in like 65 or something, it held the Houston Open. So none of the players this week have any experience. <laughs> so. But yeah, another <laughs> another new course. And it's uh, these are always... Yeah, they're they're hard to they're hard to predict, hard to preview. So I'm looking forward to developing some strategies with you tomorrow on how to how to tack that, how to handle that, how to how to make some picks. Also, final thing on this, you know I'm a huge fan of the um, the tournament logos, the good ones, the bad ones. This is such a good one. So they partner with. There's a big tie into the Houston Astros Golf Foundation. So the logo for the Houston Open looks like the old school Astros logos, which are just like perfect like i i love that this is such a good logo greg you mentioned the uh houston astros foundation they saved this they they really saved this event yeah um where there was a time where it didn't have a, a title sponsor and it, it it was if it wasn't for the um the houston astros foundation and this wouldn't be where it is now and it's it's really cool to see so i'm looking forward to it we got a new venue we got a title sponsor all great news and it's the week before masters this is just um it's going to be very exciting odds and ends the matchup belt uh so kyle unfortunately went one and four the three of us rick greg mark all went four and one but there was a tiebreaker and greg do you know who won the tiebreaker uh, I have a guess. Take your victory lap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was me. So uh, the one that I snuck in was good picking. Uh, Emiliano Grio uh, was plus one thirty eight against Brendan Todd. So because I was different, I was on an island there, and that was one of my four victories uh, that got me across the finish line. But uh, when three of us go four and one in a week, that's that's strong, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's great picking. It's hard to do, a lot harder than it looks. And so, especially in an event like this, where a lot of the players you you may not be quite as familiar, um, they the statistical ranks are a little harder to compare sometimes because for for many reasons we don't have to get into that. But it, it, these weeks can appear to be tougher to predict. And when you have kind of some good results like that, it's great. And I think we had some other really good bets too. Uh, our, I think so. We had some really nice bets played. Yeah, out. our bets. Uh, you had a group winner, I believe, with Stuart Sink, which uh, a one out of five group winner usually plays yep. based somewhere. I forget what it was between plus three fifty and plus four fifty. Uh, yeah, we were our DFS guys were like uh, with Doc and Denny, and like I, we were we were all over the top of the leaderboard yeah. for the vast majority of this week for sure. Yeah, and Pretty Sink good. Sink was huge too. Right. Because yeah. I had him as a my top 10 guy. I had him all over the board there and one and done's did pretty well, too. Um, so, yeah, it was this is a fun week. Fun to look at that leaderboards. Hey, I, I, I told you. See, I knew it. 
<laughs> I love the I love to be able to take the victory lap. So one and done. Uh, Kyle uh, had HV three who missed the cut, so that's good for the rest of us because he's still in the lead. But we were able to make up a little bit of ground. He's at one point six million. Um, I, along with Mark, had Will Zalator, so we got sixty one thousand. So that moves me to one point five. I'm in second. It moves Mark to one point two. He's in third. But the big movers of the week, producer Jacob and you, Greg, both had Denny McCarthy. That got you a hundred and. 60,000. So you guys uh, are still in fourth and fifth, but closing the gap uh, this week with a nice Denny McCarthy pick. Yeah. Um, so a couple things on Denny. One, he's been playing great and it feels like he's kind of been ready to pop. <laughs> yep. Yet at the same time, I don't feel like I'm losing out too much going with the Denny McCarthy. Um, so I feel like this is kind of a, a double dipper. It's like you, you get a really, you get a T4 finish out of a, a player who you're not too worried about using later on. It's not like you're saving him for a major or anything. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm extremely happy with uh, the way that he played. So um, yeah, kudos to you, Danny. Great plan. So, Thanks for so helping us out. Jacob and I needed it. Yeah, speaking of Denny McCarthy, you know how we've been we've been tracking since the 3M open his ball striking and how much better it's gotten, and we've been waiting for him to pop and 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 uh, finish. And he's been playing great. Uh, actually, I, I don't have it in front of me, but I got a little inside info this week from a, a source that I trust. I don't know if he wants to be named, but uh, Denny's working with a new swing coach. So this is it's I love it, Greg, when the results. And this, like, like the eye test, the stuff, the anecdotal stuff matches up with the stats stuff. And we saw it and something's going on there. And like, I absolutely love that. So good on Denny. He's swinging it well. And he's always going to putt it like a madman. Yeah, that's, that's great to see. It almost makes, it almost worries me a little bit. It makes me feel like I, I may have lost a, 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 an important piece of ammunition down the stretch. But look, a T4, in a one-and-done league, you're trying to get the best out of every pick you have. If, yeah. if you're going to take a Denny McCarthy, you want to take him the week that's going to be his very best week. You're going to take uh, Xander Shoffley. You want to take him the week that's going to be his very best week. So to get a, a T4 out of Denny McCarthy, I feel like for Jacob and I is definitely a win. Very much so. Yeah, that might be his best. That might be his best finish for a while. So good on you guys. Um, all right. I think that'll do it. Bermuda Championship. We'll be back Monday. Greg and I will break down the Houston Open. We'll uh, be rocking and rolling next week. And we are sprinting to Augusta, baby. It is coming. So, Greg Ducharme, thank you very much for joining me, as you always do. You can find Greg on Twitter at TheRealGFD. Producer Jacob behind the glass doing all the great work as usual. You can find me at Rick Rungood. And this has been The First Cut. And we'll catch you next time. It takes a killer to catch a killer. These killings are all about vengeance. The new season of the hit Paramount Plus original series Criminal Minds Evolution is now streaming. Buried secrets come to light in the new season as the criminal profilers join forces with an unlikely ally. I have a plan. We will not rely on help from a serial killer. Oh, you most certainly will. Stream the new season of Criminal Minds Evolution exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free.